The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! I'm very excited for tonight's show. Super excited. We've got great guests lined up. Everything's looking just fantastic. Uh, I am so excited. Thank you, Heyo Guy in the audience. Uh, we don't need you. You are correct, sir. What was that? You are correct, sir. I Yeah, I am correct that you're in the audience. I would like you to leave. Please leave. I'd like to welcome our first guest, animal expert, Dougie. Fresh. Fresh. Welcome, Dougie. How you doing? Doing fine, doing fine. So you brought some animals in today. I did, I did. Okay, what, what kinds of animals? This one's a Muppet. Now, can I see the Muppet? I can show you my Muppet. I can arrange that. We'll save that for backstage. All right, well, I I, I have brought a Muppet, and, and he is alive to me, and uh, he's right here. Hold on, let me just stick my fist up his... Wow. Oh. Impressive. Oh, God. All right, all right, all right, all right. He seems very displeased by this. His mouth is just flapping. This Muppet's name is Handy. That's right. Other guy, I forgot whose name is. Boy, we couldn't get Jack Hanna, guys? Guys, we couldn't. This is television poison. I got some more animals in here. I've got, let's see, I've got, this is a Marmaduke. I love dogs. Can I, uh, let's, no, let's no, 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 the... no, it's a, it's a man named Marmaduke. Oh, oh my God. Are you okay? Blink if you're okay. Nope. That's, I, what did I tell you about? Once for yes, twice for no. I command your respect. Somebody call the police. Where's that Heyo guy? Get him back in okay. here. Okay. All right. Now, and then for my last trick. You're not a magician. <laughs> For my last trick, I have brought in here a turkey oh. and that I have stolen from a rather portly-looking gentleman backstage. Oh, gosh. And let's see. Okay, I'm bringing the turkey oh, out. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, yeah, that's a real fat oh, bird. Oh, boy. That's a big boy. Okay, yeah. That's a big that's boy. A fat and bird. a big boy behind him, too. Who's that? Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, he's beating me. Give me that turkey back. Radio Zoo, am I right? <laughs> zoo call the animals. Goodbye. Some, somebody call a zoologist. We've got a really exciting show. Uh, we're going to forget this this little incident happened. So right after this commercial break. Can we break, read some mean, can we read some mean tweets? No, but we can read you your <laughs> rights. Uh, let's get to a commercial and we'll be back. <laughs> Is that good or not? I can't. It was a little above. He's... 
Hi. Hello. Welcome to the Third Men Podcast. <laughs> I'm your co-host, James Kaminsky. I'm your co-host, sometimes famous people listen to this, Paul Kaminsky. <laughs> uh, we are a Jack White History Podcast, and we cover all things... Jack White, welcome back. We host a Jack White history podcast where we go over Jack White music and movies and records and assorted bands. And occasionally, Paul, we go over not the silver screen, but whatever is below that on the tier. I don't know. I think it's the chrome screen. The chrome screen. We go over the the, the fun television appearances that Mr. Jack White has appeared on. Yeah, so we have done now two volumes of our Trash Tongue television episodes here where we go through and talk about different TV shows Jack has been on and some memorable appearances and uh, whoa, we've gone over everything, James, from Saturday Night Live to award shows. We did some of those. Yeah, and boy, do we have a great theme for you today, Paul. Today we are going to be going over, you guessed it, talk shows. Oh, Jack on talk shows. That's that's very good. We're going to be going over our various appearances on Tonight Show, The Late Show. Yeah, so it's going to be a uh, probably not the last time we talk about talk shows. It's just getting a little meta, but it is yeah. going to be a little entry point into Jack White on talk shows. Yeah, well, that's going to be a, a lot of fun, James, and I'm looking forward to that. But before we get to all of that, is there something we should start Stop. Sit. (laughs) Is there something somebody else should be doing? Yes, James. This is every single one's got a story to tell. Oh, okay. Every single one's got a story to tell Everyone knows about it From the Queen of England to the Hounds of Hell And if I catch it James would you like to tell the people what Every Single One's Got a Story to Tell is? <laughs> Every Single One's Got a Story to Tell is the segment of the show where people give us some fun first-hand in-the-field experience that they, they have, and they uh, report it to us, and we rebroadcast it out to you all so that the fans can all kind of... Yeah, the fans. Coalesce. Yeah, coalesce with the fans. I don't know what that word means, Paul. I'm really hoping coalesce is the right one. I can I can do the Zoo Man voice again, if you like. Well... Do a bit of bail you out of this one? <laughs> so this Every Single One's Got a Story to Tell comes to us courtesy of Brett Garski, who has interacted with us a bunch online. Thank you for for that Brett. And today we get a cool story about how he saw Pokey Lafarge recently. He saw Pokey Lafarge last Thursday, which I guess is sort of the first week of May. And uh, he had mentioned that uh, I said on the show that I had difficulty getting access to Pokey at the at the place that where I saw him, but the venue that Brett saw him in Denver was so small that he was able to catch up with him at a place called uh, Globe Hall. And uh, Brett's girlfriend was wearing an Olivia Jean t-shirt, and and Pokey commented about it. And when uh, they told him that they had met her as well, he said that Jack and Olivia have both been very kind to him. So that's that's an awesome little interaction. And they sent us a cool photo of the two of them and Pokey 
uh, and what appears to be a restroom. And it, it's a very nice photo. And it's and James, actually, you and Brett are wearing the exact same shirt that he is wearing in this photo and you're wearing right now. So we got a little bit of the fourth wall. I was going to say, am I in the photo? Am I lurking in the background? Just like, hey. Yeah. They saw him at the Constant Tourist Globe Hall in Denver, Colorado on May 3rd, 2018. And uh, the band performed stuff from their most recent effort. And they had Ryan Caning up there, who we've mis- misidentified in the past, I believe. And this is all from uh, Brett's review, but he's got some. We got some snippets here. The band started out with "Better Man" from the Manic Revelations album released last year, followed by his crowd pleasers "Something in the Water," "Goodbye Barcelona," and "Pack It Up." The setlist was sprinkled with new songs written for an upcoming album, which is cool. I Ooh. love it when artists do that, James. Yeah, no, it's something I don't hear too often. He did right. it with Manic Revelations a bit too. He. I remember uh, yeah. uh, I had heard tell that he played some, some tunes that were not out yet. He did that. Margot Price did that for her uh, American Made album. She had road tested some of those. I mean, this is a pretty common practice, actually. In fact, Jack has done it once or twice over the years. Jack with the Tours played Five on the Five during the Broken Boy Soldiers tour. Mm. So this is uh, not an uncommon thing, but very cool. Then he, uh, Brett here goes on to say some boisterous members of the audience interrupted the show to inform Lafarge that a member of their party was celebrating a birthday, and that's when the band played Kansas's Carry On Wayward Son. It didn't make any sense, but it silenced the obnoxious concert goers immediately. <laughs> so, the, which Brett goes on to say, this might be an anti-birthday mind trick Lafarge acquired by playing music for a living since he was 17 years old. And I love the idea that he has, that Pokey Lafarge has a anti-birthday quiver filled with anti-birthday trick arrows that he uh, fires at the crowd. Quick, somebody break out the soft rock. (laughs) So that's really awesome, Brett. Thank you for sending that in. We really love hearing from everybody out there. And if you want to tell us about a show that you just saw, please send it in. We'll spotlight it here. And every single one's got a story to tell. And if you have an anniversary coming up and want to shout about it, uh, we'll start playing Boston very loudly. Or perhaps some journey. (laughs) Well, Paul, mm. what a story. What a scoop. <laughs> Is that what talk show hosts say? Oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. Well, I know one time that Jack White on a talk show talked about scoops. He was talking about Folgers Coffee. Let's get to our first talk show, Paul. All right, let's do it. All right, James, give me our first television something so. We're going to start by going over a particular late night show that happens late at night, in the nighttime, really late, called The Late Show. Hey! From New York, the greatest city in the world, it's The Late Show with David Letterman. What is The Late Show, some people might ask, perhaps? James, I've been living under a rock, and also I'm in the ages of 35 to 65. 
The Late Show is an American late-night talk show and variety show that airs on CBS. It started in 1993 with host David Letterman. That's that's pretty much it. It was made to compete with The Tonight Show, right? Because Johnny Carson was the keeper of The Late Night there. And then you have Jay Leno and David Letterman duking it out to fill those roles. And so what do this modern-day Battle of the Network stars do but split the difference and both of them get to be on at the same time and fight? Yes, they fight all the time with fisticuffs, and it's terrifying, but makes for great audiovisual programming. They're just late-night talk show hosts who interview celebrities and animal people sometimes, Mm. and also sometimes Jack White. All right. And we're going to start by talking about David Letterman specifically. We're going to, we're going to, kick it off with Jack White's first appearance on The Late Show in 2002, episode 1,788. That's pretty early in the Stripes canon. (laughs) Yeah. They were marketing the White Blood Cells album. The White Stripes were the musical guest. And Paul, can you guess who the other guest was on The Late Show that night? 2002, you said? Yes. I'm going to level a couple at you. Okay. Paris Hilton. No. Nicole Richie. Jack Black. No, I'm going to give you a quick hint real quick. Colin Hanks. This is someone who we have known to be a guest with the White Stripes in the past. John C. Riley. Nope. My friends. Ho! (laughs) Saturday Night Live's John McCain? Saturday Night Live's John McCain is joining the White Stripes again. What world? (laughs) Oh, what we know is that John McCain and the White Stripes are linked by some kind of spiritual tether. Yeah. And they must appear on the same show at the same time. Yeah. It's like a cosmic bungee cord. My God. The White Stripes and John McCain both kind of had their final bow in like 2008, too. I think these I think these are linked. I can tell that we are going to be my French. <laughs> he talks about the war with Afghanistan because that's cool. a big hot topic well, right now. 2002, sure. Yeah, March 18th, 2002, so very soon after the September 11th attacks. Wow. And he also talks about the possibility of war with Iraq because it was still lingering in the air. And, and he said really, it's very likely we'll go there. Yeah, it wouldn't really and, happen uh, for another year, right? Something like that. Yeah, and David Letterman's like, yeah, a bunch of goofballs over there. <laughs> <laughs> and McCain's like, yeah, it's a cult. And David Letterman's like, yeah, what's wrong with all them? They're just big goofballs. Real weird. Insightful Paul. political commentary from David Letterman. Or, or do they actually believe uh, completely and solidly that what they're doing is right? Or they're just goofballs, aren't you know, they? You know, it's it's I forget, you know, that Jack's stardom really comes not that long after 9-11. The musical landscape, I feel like, even changes during that time frame. Yeah. You look around and things start to get a little more serious and a little more high energy and the frivolity of acts like Limp Biscuit and that sort of thing sort of fade for a moment while people are very angry and looking for release for that anger. And J- Jack, for all his uh, sensitivity can can you know has a lot of energy and some of it is angry energy yes and people would look to that and not only that this is going off into a weird tangent i didn't expect to go on but he also started to hit it big around that time which led to more television appearances Mm. specifically like late night television which was a a comfort to many americans during that point Mm. and a lot of people looked to this as a you know a point of normalcy and there you see the white stripes being broadcast to some of the biggest audiences late night ever had. So, you know, it that's, definitely, that's a good point. 
uh, timing. Alton Brown talked about it briefly, saying how the Food Network and his show specifically with Good Eats blew up right after 9-11 because people were looking to food as comfort mm. right afterwards, and they started watching cooking shows like crazy, and so the Food Network went huh. from like zero to 9,000 right after 9-11 because everybody was like... He said, like, you could look at the ratings. It's drastic. Wow. Interesting. I bet you that had an effect on, like, the surge in reality shows. Obviously, reality shows had been around for a little while, but... It's a real surge around that time, you know, so, sort of nonsense junk food television. Yeah, and surge, the nonsense junk food soda <laughs> that also appeared around that time. Sure. Anyway, uh, we get to the actual Jack White part of this. So David Letterman uh, holds up a vinyl copy of the album to introduce Jack White. He holds up a vinyl copy of White Blood Cells from Sympathy, which was a novelty at the time to have something on vinyl. Mm-hmm. And introduces uh, the White Stripes. Our next guests are a, a wonderful rock and roll duo from the great city of Detroit. Their critically acclaimed album, I got a copy of it right here, is entitled White Blood Cells. Here they are, the White Stripes. Jack's up there with Meg. You can see the triple tremolo is on stage, as well as a big old taxidermy zebra, Paul. Uh, <laughs> which is not the last time we'll see a taxidermy zebra on a Jack White live performance. Not at all. Uh, he'll receive one. In Minneapolis? 17 years later, yeah. So he performed uh, Fell in Love with a Girl with a little break in the middle to play Little Room. Mm. Ooh. good performance it's a really good showing of what the white stripes can do and uh yeah there's a lot of energy in it it's a really fast-paced version of fell in love with a girl that's awesome and little room certainly is the kind of weird interlude that probably late night could tolerate i don't think if he went into john the revelator i don't know how much much late night would have loved that was there any interaction or shouting from paul schaefer not to them no okay definitely throughout the episode paul schaefer certainly made his voice known. <laughs> <laughs> now, was there any couch action here, or was this purely no. stage stuff? Purely stage show, but the, uh, the, you know, they were able to deck the stage out with White Stripes regalia. So That's that awesome. Nice. Good to see you. Thank you for being here. The White Stripes, folks. How you doing? It was great. Nice to have you with us. We'll be right back, everybody. My thanks to the uh, White Stripes and also uh, Senator John McCain. Always a pleasure to have the senator here. Yeah, so we'll move on to the next performance, which uh, we've already talked about in a previous episode, so we'll just kind of bounce off of this one. But in 2004, uh, Jack White would appear on David Letterman, episode 2197, for Mm -hmm. those of you who 
care. Yeah. It was May 3rd, 2004, and he was with Loretta Lynn. Oh, uh, yeah, I forgot. Yes, we did talk about that, yeah. They were playing uh, Portland, Oregon from the album Van Leer Rose, which Jack produced. A country music legend or acclaimed new CD is entitled Van Leer Rose. Please welcome Loretta Lynn and the Dew Waters. Two other guests who were on that night were uh, Stupid Pet Tricks, mm. which Classic. Jack shared a stage with some some animal folk, <laughs> and uh, and David Spade, star and screens, David Spade, screen and... Star of stage and screens. That's the thing I'm looking for, Paul. I don't know terms. You're an L.A. man now. You gotta know these things. Uh, Joe Dirt's a household name out here. I'm all over it. Everybody's wearing the mullet. Mm-hmm. It's a big L.A. <laughs> We'll move on to 2009 real quick uh, with a quick stop to check in on a friend. Episode 3208, August 21st, 2009. Brendan Benson uh, pops on to David Letterman for the first time. Yeah, he's touring with my old familiar friend. Our next guest is an acclaimed musician and a founding member of the band The Raconteurs. His new album is entitled My Old Familiar Friend. Please welcome Brendan Benson. Everyone. Other guests, Pat Oswalt and Christina Applegate. You know, my my knowledge of Brendan Benson's career is pretty stunted, but my big blank area for him is the time between consolers and what kind of world. And so it's weird to hear him just sort of out and about. <laughs> well, me and you saw him during this tour, I believe. This is my old familiar friend tour. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it was like 2009. Yeah, I guess we did. I guess we did. Yeah. yeah. I, I The thing I was paying attention more to at that time was the Metairie EP. Mm, yes. A stereo gum talked about it. To quote Stereo Gum, surprising nobody, folks are more keyed into the fact that Brendan Benson has released a solo album this time around. His last three LPs paved the way for successful runs with the Rackin' Tours, and in turn, that fun with Jack has paved the way for Michigan's Songsmith's appearance at the Ed Sullivan Theater Friday under his own name. Brendan and his band make good work of A Whole Lot Better, a 70s-feeling, sweet-laced classic power pop. I like that one. Yeah, it's a very good song. I like that one, too. His voice gets some great showcasing in the second half of the song. He is a very thin man with sharp suits. <laughs> and this is precisely the sort of music that steams Dave's specs. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so that's that's a quick stop over into Benson land. Love it. But we'll move right back to Jack White on David Letterman in 2010, episode 3394. 2010? August 4th, 2010. What was he plugging yeah, in? He was plugging the dead weather, Paul. He was on there with the dead weather? Oh. Yeah, Sea of Cowards tour. Co-guest Julia Roberts was on there as well. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> 
Consequence of Sound says, So I'm happy to report the dead weather went out with a bang, delivering a blistering rendition of Sea of Coward's Blue Blood Blues. On the song, Mr. White, of course, handles lead, which is probably appropriate, given the fact that this is his baby. Still, it's the grit and fury of Dean Fertitta's guitar and Jack Lawrence's bass that ends up stealing the show. And provide one last reminder that the dead weather's appeal goes far beyond White's presence. Pitchfork huh. also talks about it. They say last night on the late show with David Letterman, Jack White took the lead from behind his drum set on this performance of Blue Blood Blues from the Dead Weather Sea of Cowards LP. After watching this, I can't help but feel like the world would be a better place if Jack returned to the front of the stage again soon. <laughs> now, question, what is Allison doing during this? Is she just on that little guitar with the phone cord? Stereo Gum actually brings up Allison briefly. They say, uh, the Dead Weather did Blue Blood Blues on Letterman last night. Jack White played drums and Allison Mosshart, or at least Mosshart's hair, helped on guitar. <laughs> yeah. And this was the band's last official concert performance until 2015. Huh. Which was their only other performance after this, officially. Well, did uh, Anthony Bourdain. I, I'm not really considering that like a tour performance. Like, this is a stop. Like, but let's move right along to 2011. Jack White would appear again on David Letterman. Man, Dave loves this guy. Now this one I think I know. Okay. Episode 3476, Paul, January 20th, 2011. Who do you think it is? Because we covered this one in our Going Solo a series of episodes. I think this is to plug Wanda Jackson. I think this is Jack backing Wanda. It is. Where she plays... Uh, Come on, Paul. You could do this. Shaking All Over? Yes. They played Shaking All Over. Well done, Paul. Nice. Nailed, Ten points nailed it. I didn't even look at my iTunes for that one. So everybody <laughs> at home, you can be impressed. It's fine. Our next guest is a true rock and roll pioneer who has come to be known as the Queen of Rockabilly. Her forthcoming album is entitled The Party Ain't Over. Please welcome, with special guest Jack White, Wanda Jackson. Ladies and gentlemen. guests that night were kelly cuoco and pierce morgan michigan live talks about dominic davis being on there they're very excited for dominic being <laughs> on the late show they go the michigan connection was yeah. strong thursday night as guitarist and detroit native jack white of the white stripes and the dead weather fame and bassist dominic davis from lansing's stepping in it joined septuagenarian rockabilly icon <laughs> wanda jackson in a blistering performance uh olivia uh, jean da is also on there too i think right yes yeah. yes she is they say Davis is touring with White and Jackson, uh, who's known as the Queen of Rockabilly. After White arranged and produced Jackson's upcoming new album, the party ain't over. Uh, via the Brooklyn Vegan, tickets are still available for Wanda Jackson's February 24th show at the Bowery Ballroom. 
though I bet they wouldn't be if Jack White was playing the show like he did Friday night, <laughs> like he did with Letterman. And I think he did wind up playing that. Can I just so, say, I've been listening to a lot of Wanda Classic lately. She is just something else. She is so good, and she is so punk rock in a very stuffy society. Like, after watching some of the old footage of Wanda out there moving and snarling and screaming and grunting on stage, it's no wonder to me that Jack really was attracted to her music, and it also was no wonder to me that Elvis was attracted to her and her music, and they wound up hooking up and stuff, because there's a lot of similarity there, and what's great about Wanda is, like, much like Elvis, like, Elvis is backing band, they're like, oh, it's like a barbershop quartet. Same with Wanda, but there are a lot of, like, stuffy 50s ladies in her band, and the looks they give Wanda when Wanda starts going, ah! Like, it's it's amazing. Everybody <laughs> check it out. It's so good. Funny you bring up Elvis, actually. None Such Blog actually comments on this stuff going, not long before the late show appearance, Jackson will be at a Broadway theater near Letterman's Ed Sullivan Theater to join the cast of the musical Million Dollar Quartet in the oh. finale of that evening's performance. The play recounts one very special jam session from 56, featuring Johnny Cash, Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins, and Elvis Presley, whom mm-hmm. Jackson dated and with whom she toured that year. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's awesome. I remember hearing uh, if, the ads on 1010 Wins in New York City when that thing was on. Yeah. Was on. You get traffic and ads yep. on that station. Yep. <laughs> and weather. And sometimes. New, they shout some news at you once in a while. Too. So from then, we're going to go right along to the next host of The Late Show, Paul, mm. Mr. Stephen Colbert. Wonderful man. Love him. Yeah, he, he adopted the show in 2015, or should I say the show adopted him in 2015 as the new host? Yeah. After David Letterman had stepped down. In fact, in fact, he had already planned to end The Colbert Report, which was his show at the time that made him a household name on Comedy Central, which followed The Daily Show. He had already planned to end that show when mm-hmm. the negotiations began for him to take over for uh, Letterman. That is fantastic timing. Uh, Yeah, a lot of people think that he stopped Colbert Report to just transition straight into the late show. Not the case. He was already going to end it, which there's a great... Jerry Seinfeld interviewed him for Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee where they talk about it, and it's it's great. Colbert is... This guy knows his music, and obviously he's no stranger to Jack either. He he, he had Jack on Colbert Report a few times. And yeah, it's... This is very early on in, in Colbert's hosting. Uh, they started the episode count over again. So in 2015, Jack White is one of the very first guests on Colbert. Episode 5, wow. September 14th, 2015. Whew. The Dead Weather Play, which is their only other performance after the David Letterman performance. Well, uh, yeah. If we're, not, if we're not counting Anthony Bourdain, which I do because it was televised, then it's... I mostly ca- I count it as a they played a house party that happened to be on television. <laughs> <laughs> but they still played it and it was filmed and recorded and it's on a record. So, you know. Oh, right. All right. So it's their second to last. It's their last late night performance. <laughs> now, James, if I'm recalling correctly, friend of the show Rob Janos was around for this performance or at least in the building had some sort of run in with Jack behind the stage. I th- I think when Rob talked to us, he told this story if I if I'm rec- calling correctly which is cool because like what a unique experience considering that is really as you say really one of the only pure like touring-ish performances from the dead weather on the dodge and burn album cycle Yeah, I mean, they were all busy doing other stuff, so it was hard to get access to any of their performances. Yeah, this was at the beginning of the Great Jack Drought. 
uh, or yes. really the the thing that kicked off the Great Jack Drought. At least we got this album to keep us to keep us going. But I, I can't wait till we get to Dodge and Burn because it's the only well for a lot of reasons because I want to learn more about that album. It's also the only album where we get pure album artwork of Jack with the Elvis cut. He that didn't have it for Lazaretto because he got it on the Lazaretto tour, and so it's really like if Unless you were you count the get behind me satan record store day sure that too yeah but like that's uh, that's an addition an additional thing yes, anyway. very true the dead weather perform i feel love every million miles uh from their album dodge and burn awesome on here. Track. very good track a fuzzier version of it there's a lot more effects pedals going on in this but it sounds great good song here to perform i feel love every million miles off their upcoming album dodge and burn please welcome the dead weather stage were also really fun and interesting it looks incredible it looks really nice they had a lot of fun like set decorating for this and they don't often do that for musical guests yeah. the way they did for the dead weather here in fact people commented on it uh, via stereo gum colbert's directors had fun with their psychedelic in-camera effects during the performance which is something you almost never see in late night tv but which went nicely with the band's 70s hesher rock vibes mm. even the nerdist commented on it saying, rarely do late-night TV programs allow for creative artistic direction in live music performances. There is usually little more than a few swooping camera angles, but as the dead weather charged through the song, the visuals became noticeably whitewashed, save for the backgrounds, which were oversaturated with hues of purple, all making the group resemble their appearance on the Dodge and Burn album cover. The effect was satisfying, and it showed that Colbert isn't afraid to shake up the late-night landscape, even in subtle ways that are surprisingly impactful. Now, Paul, this isn't the last time we'll see these effects, uh, but this is the last time we'll see them done well, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I just uh, listened to a great discussion about psychedelia in rock on friend of the show, Richard Buskin's new show, Swinging Through the 60s. Episode 10 is a two-and-a-half-hour-long dissertation on what makes psychedelia psychedelia. And a lot mm. of that I found very applicable to Jack stuff because fuzz guitar and Hammond organ are really two of the signatures that they place on psychedelia it's basically where they wound up on it was the hyper focus on an ordinary thing to blow into insane proportions is sort of the base baseline definition with an otherworldly quality like so it has to have yeah. some sort of a uh, some sort of a funky quality it has to resemble an acid trip in some way and much like an acid trip it has to zero in on a little thing and make it seem crazy so there's a lot of that like when we did the various explorations of dead the dead weather that we've done on the show so far i kept hearing people refer to them as psychedelic and i was wondering like why like they just seem like goth rockers to me i wasn't even getting a psychedelic quality from it but the more i learn about psychedelia and music like hendrix a lot of hendrix is really psychedelic and i think they they fall under that category so it's interesting to hear them continuing to be labeled as such yeah, I can I can totally get that. You know, a lot of psychedelic music stems from uh, meditation and that sort of Eastern 
and music, and uh, a lot of those have very droning tones mm. in the mantras and that kind of stuff. And the Dead Weather certainly utilized that. I mean, even in um, like Treat Me Like Your Mother, yeah. it starts with that wah, and it's a lot of those constant tones that you can latch onto and mm. really just zone out into. Yeah, takes you to another place. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> During the performance, Dean and LJ, I noticed, uh, had a matching pair of white Gretsch guitars. I mean, LJ obviously playing a bass, but, you know, interesting matching guitars. I never noticed that before. Yeah. Billboard commented on it as well by saying, you won't see the Dead Weather touring anytime soon, so catching them on late night TV is the closest you'll get to watching a live performance of their new material. And they were 100% right, because that's pretty much all we got, aside from Bourdain. (laughs) Right from there, I'm going to jump real quick to 2016, Margot Price joins Colbert on The Late Show. Great performance. And plays Hurtin' on the Bottle from Midwest Farmer's Daughter. Yeah. Real quick, I'll also mention in 2016, The Kills play Impossible Tracks from their album Ash and Ice on Colbert. And then in 2017, we're in the we're in the midst of the Jack drought at yeah. this point, so that's why I'm going over a couple of these. Uh, in 2017, Lily May plays right. uh, Over the Hill and Through the Woods from Forever and Then Some, which was right before I saw her. That's uh, right. That night. That's right, yeah. yes. On June 27th, 2017. Yeah, so Colbert showed a lot of Jack love there. A couple of Catholic boys. A couple of good, good Catholic boys. Yeah, but the Jack drought ended, Paul. And thus, Jack White would be on Colbert again in 2018, episode 542. So he waited, <laughs> oh, roughly 530-some-odd <laughs> episodes. Yeah. Uh, May 4th, 2018, Jack White would guest on, on the couch and be interviewed, as well as be the musical guest, promoting his... New album, Boarding House Reach. Jack White would perform Ice Station Zebra uh, off of his album, Boarding House Reach, as well as, like I said, sit on the uh, couch for a bit. He wasn't interviewed, but he did do a skit, if you will, called Jingle More of the Way. Yes. Jingle More of the Way. Which was Jack and Steven singing extra lines from well-known jingles like Band-Aid, Folgers, and Toys R Us. Very funny skit. And in yes. fact, I saw the other day on Instagram, somebody sent Third Man Records just a bunch of Band-Aid brand Band-Aids. But the skit obviously resonated. Clearly. Uh, yeah, it made the rounds on, on Facebook and stuff, too, which was interesting. That's what's so great about Jack on these shows is because he's a, he's a good showman. He's not. It never comes across as weird or stunted or awkward because he's always playing to the camera and he's an mm-hmm. actor, too. Like, I wouldn't say he's, like, the best actor in the world, but, I mean, he has acting chops. He's been, he's acted in movies and stuff before. He knows what to do. And so when he did that skit, I wanted to I, you know, my first instinct was to cringe because it's like mm-hmm. watching your relative or something, but <laughs> actually, I didn't cringe at all, and I thought he was very funny. Yeah, and he has a good rapport with Stephen, eh. pun intended. They've known each other for a little while, and uh, I think that helps because it seems like two friends joking around 
but Stephen Colbert introduces Jack going, Here to help me is my close personal guy I've met three times. Jack White, everybody, give it up! <laughs> well, he was that took me by surprise, actually, because not only did Jack and Stephen do, like, the Catholic off together and that stuff, and as you say, he was on the show the other time, but he they also did that signing together in Manhattan. Stephen's on a Blue Broom single, Charlene 2, I'm Over You, yeah, with the Black Bells with the, backing him. With the Black yeah. Bells backing him. So, you know, it, it just struck me as kind of odd that he had downplayed it in that way when they're clearly like, you know, they know, they they know each other. Friends, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Good to see you Good again, see Jack. You. I'm yeah. kidding, obviously, earlier. We're friends, right? We've been friends for weeks. But yeah, it was, a, it was a funny sketch. Jack makes a Robert Johnson joke in in the midst of it, which got zero laughs, which had <laughs> me cracking up. I hear some heavy Bagel Bites theme influence going on in here. Yes. Yeah. It was Robert Johnson who was the first to say that when pizza's on a bagel, you can have pizza anytime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very good. <laughs> Crowd did not get it, but Steven got it. He was like, yeah, in the 30s, pizza bagels. So, uh, which brings us, well, actually, let me start this over. Uh, and that, Paul, brings us to this week's Dragon Bowl. Whoa. We haven't done a, a rag and bone in a while, James. Yeah, and I decided not to do the lead up to it because I had forgotten how. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long, we forgot the stupid thing we used to do. So yeah, Paul, do you want to explain what a rag and bone is? Yeah, rag and bone is when we find a weird thing and put it in our weird podcast. Yeah, and this rag and bone is about a, a little fact Jack spouts off, pun intended. Did I you lo- know that 80% of the world uh, drinks instant coffee? 80% of the world drinks instant coffee? We take it for granted. You know what I I was curious which particular orifice you yanked that stat out of just now. Because <laughs> I don't believe you for a moment. Look it up. Look it up? I might be a couple percentage points off. Okay. So you're only lying a little is yeah, what you're saying. Exactly. Mm. I, I looked into this, Paul. Could not find Jack's fact. Mm. But according to Time Magazine, half of the world prefers what Americans can barely fathom, instant coffee. So... Time says half of the world. Uh, you know, uh, so fifty percent—that's thirty percentage points off. I, uh, I also, I, I agree with the article. I have no idea how these people are drinking instant coffee. Instant coffee is gross. It's garbage. It's really garbage. So is Keurig, for that matter. But whatever. At the same time, the Washington Post did a similar article. They said Australians like the stuff more than anyone else. Instant coffee accounts for over seventy-five percent of retail brewed coffee consumed in Australia Jesus. and New Zealand the highest percentage registered to any region. So Jack was five percentage points off for Australia. Let me pump the brakes on this, James. Okay. Yeah. Are you telling me pods, like Keurig pods of coffee is instant coffee? It, it's not instant coffee. It's okay. whatever. Yeah. I feel a little better now. Thank you, James. Mm-hmm. You're you're fine. Mm-hmm. Everyone's fine. We're all fine here. Mm-hmm. But to go over more of the percentage of the world that likes instant coffee, Eastern Europe... Uh, 50% Who needs them? Uh, of overall brewed coffee. Western Europe, uh, about 25%. Uh, the two regions together, about 40% of the world's instant coffee. Mm. It also accounts for a very small percentage in North America, barely 10% and declining. Yeah. Uh, the Asia Pacific, about it accounts for about 60% of coffee brewed over there, 30% in Latin America, 40% in the Middle East and Africa. So really, it's it hovers around half the world's population. Jack was wrong. Yeah. Screw you, Jack. Yeah, he's about yeah. 30% is wrong, and that was uh, Ragnarok. Oh, mm. 
Look at all this. You don't want it? You sure you don't want it, man? I can use it. Take it. Throw it back. Love it. After that, Jack claims he would drink anything handed to him, in which uh, Stephen then hands him a bottle of Purell, <laughs> and Jack almost drinks it. Uh, then Jack makes fun of him for having the Purell, which is very funny. He says, are, are you that afraid of your guests? <laughs> um, they sing the, the brand jingles, yeah. which are very funny. Uh, ends with the severed headline. And the worst part of going back to bed is finding her severed head. Then Jack performs Ice Station Zebra. Mm. He wears a jacket that's designed by his daughter Scarlett during this performance. Oh, I didn't know that. And uh, they they put some weird effects on the video, which are very similar to the dodge and burn effects used in episode five, but they're a little dizzying and it's a little much. I don't know if you watched this particular yes. oh, clip. Uh, yes, I, yes, I did. An example! No schedule, you hit like a mother. Sounded fine. I think uh, they also laid really heavily into the audio effects too for Jack's vocals. And uh, overall, not my favorite performance. Well, James, I'm happy we have it, but I I agree. And the only thing I would say is that I started to detect that the Ice Station Zebra execution was sounding a little tighter, which I was waiting for to happen. So that was the thing that sticks out in my mind about this. It sounds like the band is flowing a little bit better. Definitely. And from there, we'll move on to the next show, Paul. We're going to the Tonight Show. All right, the Tonight Show. So what is the Tonight Show, Paul? The Tonight Show made famous by Johnny Carson, which we which we talked yeah. about earlier in the episode, who really paved the way for all this late night stuff. And when Johnny stepped down, Tonight Show went to uh, Leno. Is that right? Yeah, Leno was the one it really fell into. Went to Leno um, for a long time, then Conan very briefly, back to Leno, back to Leno, and then finally settling on Jimmy Fallon. It is the longest-running talk show in national history, uh, airing on NBC since 1954. The third longest-running show on NBC, period. You know, it's funny, like, these variety shows and talk shows, you know, I never think of these things as, like, cultural, like, you need it. It always just seems like this weird superfluous thing I don't really watch. But when you think about it, like, Saturday Night Live... The Tonight Show, they're variety shows. They're talking talk variety shows. They are 
continue to be institutions to this day. Yeah. No signs of slowing down. the very beginning of television. Yeah. Speaking of early television, I think it's safe to say Jack was never on Johnny Carson. No. And also Jay Leno seemed to be pretty averse to the man as well. We don't get any appearances on Jay Leno. The only Leno connection I know to Jack White adjacent thing is the story Pokey told on stage when we saw him at the Troubadour, which was was when Pokey screamed out to Jay Leno, whom he saw on the street, Hey, Jay, you coming to our show tonight? And he went, why, who are you? Or something to that effect. <laughs> Jack has been on uh, the, the current host of, of The Tonight Show many times, Jimmy Fallon. Mm. He has appeared with Jimmy many times. Uh, they've had connections as far back as Saturday Night Live when Jimmy uh, right. actually acted as Jack yeah. in a sketch. He does a Jack impression uh, during- where, and Drew Barrymore plays Meg, I think, in that. Yes, and it is a terrible impression of Jack. It's very bad. For a guy who does a really good Neil Young and Bruce Springsteen, he does a really bad Jack White. Yeah, I'm conflicted on Jimmy Fallon because he has good musical taste, I find. But mm-hmm. he's also done some pretty questionable things, and I find him to also be an embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> he's... He's not my favorite. I mean, it's the Donald Trump hair tussling thing, I think, that will live in infamy with him. Yeah. But yeah. he's just so darn excited. The, the only time I really like wound up genuinely thinking, okay, this is he's a human being, was actually, speaking of comedians and cars getting coffee, they, there's a great one with Jimmy. And then I was like, oh, okay, drop the veneer for a second. But Seinfeld's like, do you ever like get mad? And Jimmy's like, no, I try not to get mad. And then he's like, well, Jer- Jerry's like, well, tell me a story of one time you felt mad. He's like, oh, I spilled coffee on my, oh, it was bad. Oh. So he's not human. I think he's got some deep psychological, pro- like I, I never trust anyone who doesn't get mad. But anyway. I mean, I know he, he's been hurt before. Yeah, like physically. Guys, real quick, this is James and and Paul here to say, if you have any aversion to weird injuries of any kind, you might want to skip ahead a little bit. Yeah. Just don't listen to this. I mean, I'm feeling really gross right now, so if you'd prefer not to, just give it like 15 seconds. Just hit that 15 seconds. At least 30. Hit that 15, hit hit that skip button just like twice. You're good. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, th- didn't he get his hand degloved once? What? Because of his wedding ring. His wedding ring got caught on something and it ripped the skin off. To Google! Jimmy Fallon. Massacre. <laughs> wedding ring. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Fallon raises awareness about horrifying injury called ring avulsion. He apparently caught his wedding ring on the side of a table and almost ripped his finger off. Ah, it's playing a video about ring avulsion. Oh, dear. Hold on. Ring avulsion is rare but serious. It occurs when the ring on some person's finger is pulled in some kind of forceful manner, causing anything from a simple contusion injury to a traumatic amputation to degloving, which is exactly what your horrified mind is probably picturing right now. Ah, mm-hmm. hey, let's stop talking about this, maybe. Details. Oh, man, no. <laughs> James, get out of there. Get out of there, James. <laughs> Uh, There's graphic pictures. Oh, don't (laughs) click on that. I've heard of uh, de-gloving. That's what what happens when you try and steal a Childish Gambino record. (laughs) Predator 2 joke? Can I just say Predator 2 joke 
and then everyone and just people can think of their own there's the ingredients of a joke and then what i gave you james was the blue apron delivery box of a joke yeah. and it's up right. to you to you take the ingredients. ingredients thank you paul i appreciate <laughs> that back to the show <laughs> You back? Um, Is everybody back now? Yeah, good. I'm so sorry. All of that we, was pointless. Uh, Jack appeared on Jimmy Fallon in 2014, the first time, episode 56 yeah. of the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Uh-huh. May 12th, 2014, also appeared with Neil Young and sex monster yeah. Louis C.K. <laughs> that Neil Young appearance was was great. That was when they, they recorded something direct to vinyl in the booth, right? Yes, they're talking about Neil's new album. Old Man in the Sea. Mm. Harvest 2. This time it's Peanuts. Mm. A Letter Home. They're talking about Neil Young's album, A Letter Home, which was released by Third Man Records and recorded entirely in Jack White's recording booth, mm. uh, directed to vinyl recording booth. Again, he's Jack's Jack, got the approval of that old guard. Jack actually comes out with Neil Young, who was the scheduled guest, and sits with him on the couch. Jimmy says hi to both of them. He says hi to Neil first and then says hi to Jack. And Jack sits down and says, I'm sorry, and your name was? So thus begins Jack's continuous making fun of Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, Jack picks on Jimmy. Everyone zeros in on picking on Jimmy Fallon. (laughs) Jack says that he uh, talks about the the recording booth for a while. He says uh, he looked for over 10 years to find one and he finally found it yeah. uh, and it took him about a year and a half for it to be repaired jack also talks about him and neil young both owning electric cars which is cool to hear some car talk yeah uh, starring your favorite click and clack jack white and neil young yeah, right and apparently the whole thing got started for neil young's album because during the opening of the recording booth at the third man Records store neil young was there and a, a a child apparently went in the booth and sang a neil young song and Neil said, that sh- that can't be that hard. So he went in and did it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, we should do a whole album doing this. Wow. So that's how that started. Jimmy talks about the album with them on the couch. Clearly has not listened to it because he just goes over the track listings, which I thought was pretty funny. But you can see that Jimmy has some good musical knowledge because he goes over, you know, what he knows about yeah. the people that the songs are covered on. He's got good taste. They do a performance. Neil Young does a performance of Crazy in the in the vinyl record booth next we move on to a couple weeks later jack white appears on jimmy fallon again a couple of weeks Uh, later 20 yeah episode 71 june 9th 2014 the last one was in may of 2014 so the next month jack white comes on other guest clint eastwood wow he's got that old guard up there again but he doesn't talk to him nope clint eastwood thinks he's there but he's just looking at an empty chair (laughs) the whole time um, got him. Got him. This old man who can't defend himself anymore. Oh, no, he can. He's got many guns. <laughs> this is via Infectious Magazine, coming fresh off of a controversial feud with the Black Keys, which we've discussed at length. Great. White stuck strictly to discussing the album, Lazaretto. Uh, he spoke to Fallon about the vinyl release, which is modeled after the old 78 records. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack White also unveiled that there is a track hidden in the actual label of the record itself. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy was fawning all over the the special edition aspect of the Lazaretto release because that was really the first Jack one that had all the bells and whistles on it. It had the hologram, it had the hidden song, it had the drop the needle in the different place to hear the different thing, and Jimmy is just nutso for all this stuff. He loves it. Oh, he's, for an excitable man, he is just... (laughs) 
going bananas. Didn't he, he say something like, like oh, and it's got this and it's got this? Yeah. And he, he is uh, practically hyperventilating. It's very exciting. Didn't he say something like, thank God for Jack White, I think, at some point in this uh, interview? I think he did. Probably. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway. He has definitely said that in the past. <laughs> uh, about everything. He said that <laughs> he said that about tapioca too. So basically this is like showing a pog to a five year old. <laughs> like it's the greatest thing uh to Jimmy. It's so so very good. According to Diffuser, after some personal ups and downs and taking time out to settle some ongoing beefs, I guess this Black Keys thing was blowing up. Yeah. It's great to hear Jack White back in action. Jack White performed Lazaretto and just one drink mm. on the show. And uh, it was a good show. Good performance. Yeah. He's really wearing his Lazaretto country star finest. He's got that, that blazer on with the, the peacock going Not on. Not my favorite, although kind of fun because it's similar to the thing he wore on Icky Thump. So I like mm-hmm. it for that reason. But really, that is, of the Jack looks out there, some of my least favorite Jack looks when he looks yeah. like a neutron star or something. Like his hair is just giant and his clothes are just... Giant. Giant. <laughs> shiny. And I pre- I'd take the tracksuits over that. <laughs> anyway. I like his new look. His new yeah, look's very... It uh, looks fine. Anyway, we haven't done a Jack White um, What Are You Wearing segment since episode two, In James. a long time, yeah. yeah. In fact, I think this outfit comes up during this, that. Yeah, maybe that's why I'm thinking yeah. of that. Anyway. We move on to the next performance, which is on uh, in 2015. So the next year. Jack's actually on Jimmy Fallon almost every year, the exception of the Jack Trout in 2017. He's not on 2017, but... 2015. 2015? Yeah, 2015, episode 205. Uh, Jack White is there to promote his latest single from Lazaretto. So a year later, he comes back on still promoting Lazaretto because he's still on tour. Black Bat Licorice. Other guests, Will Smith, Rosamund Pike. Jack White performed that Black Bat Licorice. And uh, Olivia Jean also shares the stage during this. That's cool. Quote, Diffuser, the rendition of Black Bat is a rock as raucous as you'd expect thanks in part to olivia jean sharing the stage with jack to provide some assistance allowing the iconic rock star to shred from the get-go aside from jimmy fallon's horrendous handling of the lazaretto vinyl in the introduction this is easily one of the most memorable performances we've seen on the tonight show since well the last time white was on the program i watched this one in preparation for our last episode five on the live guest stars to see what the performances of Black Bat Licorice looked like, because we talked about him teaming up with Q-Tip on that one in 2015. And I forgot just how great this song is live and how much it sounds like something from the Boarding House Reach era. So, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Good performance. Really prepped him for Ice Station Zebra. Yeah. Right from there, we move on to 2016 on The Tonight Show. Ah, Uh, September 9th, 2016, Jack White was on with other co-guests. James Spader and Mandy Moore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mandy Moore um, talking about this is us because I, it's mm. the only time like in that year I willingly watched Jimmy Fallon and I watched the whole episode just to see if there was any Jack things periodically and I learned all about this is us. <laughs> well, there was one Jack thing in the episode. Jimmy actually gives James Spader a signed Jack White album. That's right. Yes. So that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Jack was interviewed on this episode. You know, it was very funny. I, I have to tell you this because on the plane ride over, the stewardess came over as we were landing in New York. And she says, um, so what are you doing in town? Are you a, are you a musician or something? I said, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> she said, uh, well, what are you going to do in New York? I said, I'm just going to wander around the streets for a while. And she says, well, you know what you should do if you have a chance. You should try to get tickets to Jimmy Fallon if you can. <laughs> so, really? Uh, the pr- 
And uh, I told her, you know what? That's a good idea. I'm going to try to make, see if I can get in there. So, <laughs> oh, I love if, it. if you're watching, I made it. I'm in. He's promoting his acoustic album during this junket. Mm -hmm. So his acoustic recordings, 1998 to 2016. He talks about his World War One guitar that he has, and he plays on this particular show. Yeah. And he also calls Jimmy a child, which is great. Yeah, it, like, <laughs> it's the joke about Jimmy's talking about the guitar, and Jack's like, oh, yeah, yeah, like a child would play or something. I have a uh, Fender Newporter. You ever heard of those? Yeah, guitar? yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's a, it's acoustic guitar, but the neck is electric. So yeah, it's like a yeah. thin... And it's just so easy and fun to play. It's, for, yeah, it's a beginner's guitar for children. <laughs> yeah, and then he says, like, he'll leave, and then Questlove's like, yeah! <laughs> Start playing. The performances um, on this one are so good. Jack cries during yes. one of them, right? Yes, he does. He performs Love is the Truth, and then uh, You Got Her in Your Pocket. There's no backing band at all here. It's just Jack alone on stage, spotlight, and acoustic guitar. But you guitar. do better to live in. It's the right thing to do And you know it And it's inside of you So just show it Love is the truth ba 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 And it's inside of you ba 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 It's the right thing to do it's a fantastic performance of Love is the Truth. Uh, it's got a lonelier, eerier quality to it, which is weird because it's a very upbeat, happy, peppy, Coca-Cola kind of song. Yeah. And then he goes right into uh, You've Got Her in Your Pocket, which really made me wish I had, was able to see the acoustic tour that he did. But he tears up towards the end of the song and nearly starts, like, crying. And in the beginning, all you wanted was to show her But now you're scared, you think she's running away You search in your hand for something clever to say Don't go away Cause I want to keep you in my pocket But there's no way out Put it in the safe and lock it it's home, sweet home. Home, sweet home. And after the song is over, he wipes the tears away from his eyes after he shakes hands with Jimmy. So it really moved him. Yeah. Uh, and a surprisingly and enjoyably long musical performance, you know? Yes. These two songs aren't the shortest, and... We get both of them in a row. Yeah. And from there, we move on to our last thing we're going to talk about today, Paul. It's 2018. Boarding House reaches out, and episode 849 of Jimmy Fallon comes out with Jack White as a guest. April 12th, 2018, to be specific, along with Grace Jones. Ooh. Uh, is on there as well. Pee-wee favorite, Grace yeah, Jones. Right. That's our touchstone Other... on Grace Jones, is Pee-wee's Playhouse. <laughs> Grace Jones! Wait a minute. You're not the president. You're Pee Wee Herman. Duh! Jack talks about wanting to do a sketch with John Mulaney about being an altar boy on Saturday Night Live. We'll actually get over, go over the Saturday Night Live thing in a later Trash Tongue Television mm. episode. But he wanted to do a thing about being an altar boy with John Mulaney in there. And so that gets Jimmy and Jack talking about when they were altar boys, which is very funny. Because no, you probably know, know. nothing's funnier when you're not supposed to be laughing oh, in during and, mass. Oh. So no, I, you, I, me, imagine, dude, me. Oh, I, I was giggling. 
I mean, I was laughing before we even got out. Do like, you remember when they would hold, hold the Eagles up and you'd ring the bell? That's my, I was the best so, at that. Uh, so we'll, we, we fight over who got to do it. Yeah, and then the I thought it'd be job. funny one time to just keep doing it really long. And <laughs> so long, and the priestess looked over. <laughs> That was the end of us getting to do the bell. That's your that. big move, yeah. yeah. Jimmy brings up the children's book, which is, you know, almost like seven months since it came out. So interesting to see that yeah. come up in an interview at this time. Jack says, who'd have ever thought that me and you would be children's book authors? I, I'm already got a new one. It's called Anybody Can Be President. <laughs> No, it was a good repartee between those two there. He talks a lot about recording the album, and he also brings up the fake phone number for the Ghostbusters, which I found interesting and looked into real real briefly. This was going to be my original rag and bone, but there's not much meat on that bone. During the film's original theatrical release, Ivan Reitman set up a 1-800 number with the same Ghostbusters number, 555-2368, and had a recording of Raymond and Venkman talking and it got about a thousand calls an hour 24 hours a day until it was shut down wow they also redid that during the remake of ghostbusters uh sony put out a a, in the uk they did a a hotline with chris hemsworth picking up as the receptionist when you call did you just say raymond you called him raymond (laughs) did call him raymond i mean i i assume that's ray stance's ray like that's his full name but i've never heard anyone refer to him as raymond stance anyway that's uh that's the end of that's the end of that yeah well you want to kick it to our third band for this week james what do you say let's kick it to our guest this evening (laughs) i don't know why i went to oprah there let's try to make it themed (laughs) oprah's another talk show i don't think jack's ever appeared on there we gotta look into that Anyway, let's kick it to our third man this week. All right. All right, so we would like to welcome to the show our third man for this week, Ben Carnes. Ben, despite all of the technical difficulties, we all... We are all here. We're all talking. We're all connected by love. And James looks to be infected out of the three of us. How are you, Ben? I am doing fantastic, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here talking Jack with you guys. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Uh, as Paul said, I'm infectious, but so please uh, keep your distance. But, um, you know, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. We've it's got fine. a few states between us, but hey, we're connected by love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we're gonna we're here today talking. We're gonna go through a few listener questions for uh, some of our listeners out there who sent us in some inquiries. A lot of personal taste stuff, which I'm I'm looking forward to, to saying here. A couple little researchy sort of things. But in the meantime, Ben, uh, tell us how you got into Jack White stuff. We connected through obviously through the podcast, and you you had interacted with us on social media. So we've got to know you a little bit through sort of Jack White fan circles and things. But how did you get involved in the fandom? What brought you in? Give me give us the lowdown. Sure. I remember it distinctly. Um, back in the day, you know, you used to have to actually go to a music shop and pick up a CD or pick up a cassette or a piece of vinyl. And I guess it was around 2001, shortly after the release of White Blood Cells, I was not really into the way that rock and roll music was headed. Mm. Uh, I was a big ACDC fan, a huge Doors fan. I loved B.B. King and I loved the blues and Eric Clapton and things like that. But I was looking for new music yeah. you know something something current and so I went and I, I can't even I, I wish I knew the guy's name that put the first White Stripes album in my hand and said you need this wow. uh, but I can't I can't recall it it was you know in a sound shop in the mall and a little CD store went in there and said hey I'm looking for something new he said what are you into I gave him the rundown like I just gave you guys he said you need the White Stripes it was a young Ben said, Blackwell <laughs> 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 it could have been but yeah. I don't think they had quite 
migrated out of Michigan just yet. <laughs> um, although they had been recording in Memphis, so hey, who knows? Maybe he was moonlighting at a at a sound shop in my local little mall. It was your your cousin. He said, "You know that new sound you've been looking for? Well, listen to this. Well, listen and to then, this. Yeah." And then yeah. he handed over yeah. the headphones yeah. and uh, ran away. Yeah, that was my cousin, my cousin Marvin Barry yeah. that yeah. Uh, that turned me on to uh, to the White Stripes. But yeah, man, he uh, he gave me the white blood cells. He said, "Man, they just recorded this in Memphis." He said, "I I think that you'll really enjoy it." So I took that bad boy home. And, well, before I got it home, I threw it in the truck and uh, turned the volume up. And man, I mean, as soon as Dead Leaves and the Dirty Ground hit, I was just so you were pretty early. That's pretty early in the process. Yeah, yeah, it, it was uh, it was pretty early on. I, I think that was kind of when they started to really capture people's attention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and of course the you know, Lego videos and all that sort of things came out. And I remember it was a it was a CD set had the the white blood cells, and then um, it had an accompanying DVD with some music videos on it. That's and right. So I was yeah. I was hooked. I Man, as soon, as soon as I as soon as I played those, I was I was absolutely hooked. Went back that next weekend and and bought up everything I could, which was, you know, two more albums, luckily yeah. for my pocketbook. And that's that's when I started to fall down the rabbit hole, they're, man. They're lucky they had those, I mean, I don't think luck had anything to do with it, but, I mean, uh, Sympathy or whoever was distributing at that time, because I guess it depends on when you got blood cells. It could have been through the, the deal he had with Virgin after that, but they're fortunate that the Steel and the first album were available for people to access after blood cells smashed the door open the way it did, because I imagine a lot lot of people like yourself went out looking for the early albums and i don't think it's any secret that sympathy is kind of a boutique label it's pretty small right. and its distribution right. wasn't terribly large so it's you were fortunate to be able to find those of course they were they were reissued pretty shortly after the white stripes blew up the way they did but that's uh that's awesome and we we got in at a similar time uh, our buddy mike picked up white blood cells and and in that 2001 sort of period and that's that's when we got in it's a nice it was a nice time to join yeah absolutely absolutely um you know and then, of course, Elephant came out, and, well, I mean, you know, everybody knows that one. That, that just that blew the doors off everything. Yeah. It's been a whirlwind ride ever since. Uh, so, yeah. you uh, have you seen him throughout his different iterations and stuff, or what? How? I have I have been very fortunate to get to see him in just about every outfit that he's played with. <laughs> um, That's great. I got to see the White Stripes play at Bonnaroo. Uh, it was oh, nice. Set pretty close. It was awesome, man. I mean, that, that one just, when they broke into Seven Nation Army, at the end of that and there's smoke rings going up in the air and <laughs> the ground is literally shaking and people are stomping and it's just it was absolutely it was surreal i mean it was just it was unreal i mean he was just amazing yeah but yeah i got to see them and that was right before icky thump was released yeah that's that they opened that one with blue orchid i think uh and i remember yeah. this only because we did in the thanksgiving special they rebroadcast Bonnaroo during the Gobbleroo situation, which uh, I want all our listeners out there to still use hashtag Gobbleroo for no particular reason. So, yeah. Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, man, it was it was really interesting too to see uh, see the uh, slowly turning into you and kind of how that has evolved as a live song or mm-hmm. live track. You know, because when he, when he played it at Bonnaroo, you know, the, the album hadn't released yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so no one really kind of knew, like, he he kept trying to signal everyone to woo, you know, and it uh, it took people a little bit to kind of get in the groove of it. And plus, they, they were the they were the festival closers, and so everybody was pretty wore out. But right. I mean, they they brought their 
their A game. I mean, he it was something to see. I mean, he's so electric live. Yeah. The chemistry between him and Meg was he 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 almost seemed like a scolded schoolboy at times, I guess, and she's kind of <laughs> a school marm that was kind of you know yeah. whipping him back in line with uh, with some cymbal crashes. She and, uh, commanded his respect. Uh, indeed, <laughs> yeah. indeed, she did. Indeed, she did. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. that is that is quite a show to have been to, um, and and it's awesome that you're you're joining us here on the show with uh, with all of your years of Jack White fandom behind you, and we're going to answer a couple listener questions here, and I think we're just going to jump right in. Is that all right with you guys? That's fine. Yeah, sounds good. All Let's right. do it. All right, so we're going to power through here, and where'd this one come from? Because this was yours, James. I wrote okay. it down, and I'm going to say David Poe, but if it's not, uh, well, we, we're sorry. Okay, okay, so this so this first question comes courtesy of David Poe, we think. Um, Maybe. It's, it was a while ago, to be honest. The uh, first question is, what are your top three voices in rock of all time? And uh, that person at the time had said uh, Freddie Mercury and uh, Robert Plant, and then followed by Janis Joplin. Now, Ben, do you uh, do you have a, a top three you wanna you wanna lay on us here? Sure. Um, I kind of mulled this one over a little bit. It's kind of a it's kind of a toughie, but uh, I mean, especially when you know, and to, to, to attempt to be different, uh, to go away from you know, I mean, obviously these top three that they've picked are phenomenal. It's good I top mean, three. Every one of them, you know. Uh, my top three, though, I would have to say would be uh, Elvis Presley. Mm. Oh, that's good. One. Baby, let me be Run you every night Run your fingers through my hand And cut me real tight Let me be Oh, let him be Your teddy bear I don't want to be your tiger Cause tigers play too rough I don't want to be a lion Cause lions ain't the kind you love enough uh, I mean, he, his voice is just like melted butter on a biscuit, man. I mean, he's just, he's fantastic. And yeah. plus, I mean, you know, he set the bar, what to do, what not to do. You know, he's the king for a reason. Absolutely. But also, I would have to say uh, Jim Morrison. You know, the day destroys the night. Night divides the day. Try to run, try to hide. Break on through to the other side. Break on Another fantastic, um, you know, maybe not quite a range that I like out of most of rock singers, but uh, still, a, he got up there, he, he did his thing, he drew emotion out. Sort of a neo-crooner in a way, Morrison. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and, and plus, some people may crucify me for this, but I would say that the Doors really helped, particularly Jim Morrison, helped get uh, punk rock started, man. I mean, yeah. like, what he was going up on stage and doing at the time was just was unheard of. Not unlike Elvis shaking his leg. <laughs> right, know? right. But uh, some of the things things that Jim Morrison was saying and doing and in such a politically divisive time as the late 60s I mean he never they never had to go out and say anything political which I've always thought is kind of a cheap trick for a rock star but they they let their music and they let the voice and the emotion come through on it to kind of advocate for what their generation was going through but yeah so and uh, my third one would have to be uh, Ann Wilson oh that's um, a great pick from, great from pick. heart yes I'm 
Uh, I mean, just, yeah, just, I mean, fantastic, man. I mean, she's tremendous. You, you, all, you know, you hear her voice and you know it's her. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a heart tune. As soon as her voice cuts through, it's like, there's no doubt. There's a great interview with her on a podcast called uh, Something About the Beatles. She's a huge Beatle nut. And it was interesting hearing her fandoms and, and how she pulled from, from rock and roll influences herself. And obviously, they, they're often called, right, the female Led Zeppelin or whatever nonsense. But yeah, it's she she's part of a long tradition of that kind of really power vocalist kind of types. Sure. And she's still got it today, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was watching the 2018 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame oh, yeah. ceremony. And uh, she did Black Hole Sun. And um, <laughs> it, it was it was good. It was a different different take on the song. Uh, a little different rendition. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she still brought her, her power vocals to it. And not bad. Cool. Not bad at all. I mean, it, it wasn't Stairway to Heaven, you know, when she made Robert Plant cry. But yeah, that's right. Still powerful. Well, that's a great that's a great top three there. And James, do you have a you have a top three you want to rattle off? Well, it's tough. I'm I'm trying to avoid uh, things that have already been said here, and I will avoid some of my beetly instincts. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna try and, and pull from voices that I I really like in rock and roll because it's hard to quantify it as like yeah. top three. You know, there's Amen. definitely <laughs> distinct voices. One of those distinct voices that I I really do enjoy is uh, Getty Lee. I really enjoy that singer's voice, and that's a weird thing, but I do. Beck is is probably in my top three. Oh, Beck's love, good for sure. Yeah. I love Beck's voice. With the transistor sound and my Chevrolet tailplane going round round round. Come on, little cabaret, standing in a hurricane. He's got this interesting slacker kind of vibe going on with how he sings, and it fits uh, the music that he's saying. I don't know. I like it a lot. Yeah. Jenny Lewis, I like a lot. Um, yeah. Like her and Zoe Deschanel, I feel like have a similar place in my heart. But uh, I would say Zoe is more of a uh, folk artist than a rock artist. Uh, they harmonized uh, together on um, the the next Messiah on uh, Jenny's album Acid Tongue. Oh, did they really? Yeah, she, uh, yeah. Zoe's on wow, that one. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like her her stuff, especially uh, in Rilo Kiley, um, as opposed to her solo work, which is also fantastic. But Rilo Kiley, she does uh, some fantastic tunes like uh, the Frug is 
just I love the way she sings in that song. Yeah. But if I can dip into to folk, I would say Donovan is is definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. I love 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 that guy's voice to death. Yeah. But yeah, I, I guess there's four people for you. It's it's not really a top three. <laughs> yeah. It's not. Well, James, it's I'm gonna tough to quantify. James, it's, I'm gonna break it's... your record because I have three gut picks and then I have a lot of follow ups. Like rock voices. That, okay, that's what we're going for. Okay, rock and roll voices. So my top three, I would put uh, Plant. Like David said, Robert Plant. Second, I would put Roger Daltrey. Daltrey belts like yeah. like nobody's business and that but Daltrey's rock and roll to me and you know what even until like the early 2000s and even like it's kind of still today like he's still mm. of those rockers though <laughs> I feel like he's got it the most from that era still plant is very hoarse and you know his, his his voice has been shot since the 80s when he had that accident or whatever anyway so those two and then mccartney for sure number three i mean all you have to do is listen to i'm down or long tall sally or something and those will blow your blow your socks off you know i'm down man buys ring woman throws it away same old thing happen every day i'm down As far as runners-up go, uh, Little Richard, yeah. uh, Iggy Pop, Jack Bruce, Wanda Jackson, and uh, early yeah. '70s Bruce Springsteen. Uh, those are those would be the follow-ups for me. It's just this pure pure rock and roll sound, like those voices. That's it. Yeah, Wanda for Jackson sure. is a good pull. Um, Absolutely, she's tremendous. Yeah. yeah, she sounds like she's tearing every word in two as she's saying it. Like she sounds like she's Definitely. tearing it in half. Didn't didn't somebody describe John Lennon's voice? Yeah, like that tear torn linen, something like that. Yes, right. But uh, yeah, Lennon has a similar kind of vocal fry, I guess, is what kids today would call it. Uh, <laughs> and I like that. I like it. Okay, so moving yeah. on here, we have a lot of questions to get to, but we have Jeremy Riles who was wrote in and he had suggested this as a uh, topic for an episode, but we're gonna we're gonna sort of subcategorize it under under listener questions. But he says I, I'd be interested in a show on the history of the Vault and the Vault releases, especially with input from folks who had been around since Vault One, and of course still holding out for. Blackwell and Swank extended interviews. Now, uh, the reason I'm putting it in the listener questions is there's surprisingly little out there about the methodology of the origin of the vault. I mean, it, it's this thing that cropped up around the time that Third Man was sort of coming into its own. But I'm going to read a little background here that I, that I was able to find, and then we'll kind of 
go from there. But for those of you who don't know, the Third Man Records Vault is uh, has been described as rarity excavating, but it's a quarterly subscription service that began in September of 2009 as a way to release special and otherwise unreleased content. Platinum Vault members uh, of the Vault receive a package containing limited edition vinyl records and merchandising every three months. Generally, the cycle's offerings include a 12-inch record, a 7-inch record, and a bonus item, uh, although this has deviated now and again throughout the different Vault releases. The first one was the Icky Thump Mono, and that was only the second release off the Third Man label, the only other one before that being Whorehound. So Whorehound is TMR-001, and Icky Thump Mono is TMR-002. And um, here's the thing that'll blow your mind. At the time of the debut of the concept of the Third Man Vault, the White Stripes were not only still together, but it was only two years since Icky Thump, and they had yet to release under Great White Northern Lights, which is nuts. Yeah. Real quick, uh, stop breaking down in the middle of Paul's thing. Oh. Uh, TMR001 is the Dead Weather's first single, Hanging from the Heavens. Ah, right. Thank you, James. Good catch. And then, uh, so anyway, it was announced in July 2009, and uh, it was, I found an article from that time via Wired, and this is a, uh, a quote from Third Man's, I guess, press release. If you only knew what we had laying around here, you'd crap your pants. <laughs> uh, and uh, it goes on to say so uh, what does it cost to soil yourself uh, entry level vault subscribers uh, pay seven dollars a month and get exclusive streams concerts articles and photos as well as pre-sale tickets chat rooms and other content and then you can upgrade to platinum which costs 20 a month and that uh, lands fan subscription only record seven inches and shirts on a quarterly basis so that's it's billed i don't know per per vault really and you can sort of opt in and out as you go <laughs> they go on to say don't like what you get after throwing down your hard-earned money too bad but there is a silver lining to the vault's lame return policy rarity reissues issued by the white stripes have increased in value since the band's mainstream crossover the the site's message to platinum members who don't like what they bought is sell your wares on ebay and everything over your original subscription fee feel free to send back to us (laughs) (laughs) that is uh, an interesting policy decision uh, and one that they don't typically endorse i feel like they, they've been kind of didn't haven't they don't they ban people for doing that for flipping like that i don't know i mean this is really early on in the process this is almost a 10 year old service so yeah it's been a decade um, of these things and then this is yeah, just that, back in the days of mod life that's become less and less true their uh the, the increase in value oh. as the popularity of the vault increases there's more out there and more sure. people selling and therefore it doesn't increase in value although um certain certain ones have but the I, I would say the last two or three years it's been pretty steady at just base price but it's fine by me i'm not trying to sell them i'm just critiquing yeah. their their little ebay uh discussion there right <laughs> i mean and it's it's also a little harder to find them sort of all together i often find them at a reasonable price missing certain things or whatever. And then this is the last thing I've got here via the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Mr. White has positioned Third Man as a defender of archaic music traditions and formats which also happened to drive demand from fans. His team worked with the local pressing plant, this is prior to Third Man Pressing obviously, to create vinyl singles divided into three colors. Small batches of these records were sold only in Third Man's store. One batch of the Dead Weather recently went on eBay for over $450 
dollars. Quote from Jack, you can't help but have a punk aesthetic to rebel against technology and the way music is presented to people these days. Real rock and roll isn't about MySpace pages and digital music. Those are accessories. That's the scarf on the jacket of real rock and roll. So the MySpace reference there, obviously painting that into a ni- yeah. neat, neat little time frame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least he didn't go with Friendster, but um, is there a little asterisk at the bottom of that from Chris Rock say, saying, uh, but who cares? Yeah. <laughs> uh, ben, are you a, ben, are you a Vault subscriber? I am a Vault subscriber. Um, unfortunately, I was not a subscriber since Vault number one, but I have uh, managed to uh, procure myself an Icky Thump Mono. Oh, nice! Um, so yeah, well, it was a it was a pretty good trade, man. I've got to say, it was uh, you know again going back to the whole uh, community of third man uh, records fans. You know, someone had mentioned that the Black Bells absinthe. Uh, with the gross cover was their uh, was their holy grail. The mm-hmm. Icky Thump Mono was my holy grail. They had one they were willing to trade, and so we didn't even swap for them, man. Wow, and, uh, nice. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it worked out great. I mean, you know, it was it was it was fantastic. Um, but I joined, uh, I believe it was the Greenhorns uh, Bosco Bell Blues. I think oh, that nice. was the LP that was on there. Uh, that was when I joined in, and heck, if I remember what number that was now, it's been so long ago. What what got me hooked on it was the, uh, the release of the Meg Picture Disc uh. that they had released, and I was like, oh, I've got to have that. Just got to have it. I had gone for a while without uh, steady internet access, and then, of course, we uh, you know found out that Third Man had opened up there, and, of course, I was financially not really in a place to commit to a subscription service for vinyl records. We just had a baby. So right. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> You know, wow, the, um, the vault project is as old as your child. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, and oddly yeah. enough, your fir- your firstborn came out in mono. Indeed, yeah. indeed. <laughs> All right, well, yeah. that was weird, guys. Uh, anyway, uh, moving on, uh, we are going to jump in here because we got a lot to cover here. We're just going to kind of blow through some of these, and uh, we'll do a round-robin kind of thing. We got one from... Leland Fringstag. Uh, Leland sent in a bunch, so thank you very much, Leland. He asks, if you could attend any Jack-related show, which would it be and why? And I think that is uh, throughout history. So if you were going to do a uh, Quantum Leap style or a Star Trek style sling around the sun, go to any Jack concert, what would it be? Uh, ben, do you have one? Oh, man, as far as... You know, past concerts would go. Yeah, man, I don't know that. I'd love to have been at that Under Blackpool Light show. Oh, yeah, at uh, either one of those, either one of the Under Blackpool Light show. But honestly, I would have to say the one show that I, if I could go back and go and see it, the last show of the White Stripes in Mississippi. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would. I would have to if I could have my pick. I'd have to go back there. Uh, the question is, would I want? Would I want to know the knowledge that that would be the last show they would play or not? That is a good question. Well, yeah, indeed. Yeah. yeah, James. Oh boy, I want to say the free show that he did with, I think it was Nissan in the park in New York City. The day he oh. met with Jim Jarmusch. Oh yeah, at uh, um, Union Square. Union Square, yeah. And I would love to go there because not only do I hear it was a great show, I hear that they pulled the power on them and Jack still played. 
and it, it would also be light on my wallet. It, it just seems like it would have been a really pretty good show to see outdoors in New York. Uh, and also the historical implications of that's where he met Jim later on would make coffee and cigarettes from a meeting he would have with him afterwards. You know, from there, Jim would do a whole lot with Jack. And I don't know, it just seems like a, uh, a pretty interesting time period to see him in and at the height of his popularity and yeah. free. So that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I think I would have liked to have seen the first gold dollar show after Fell in Love with a Girl blew up. Mm. I would have loved to have been in the sh- in the crowd with all of the Detroit acts and feel that energy of everyone knowing that Jack White was about to become a household name and the White Stripes was about to become a household name because I don't know if I would have wanted to see some of them 99 shows I mean it would have been interesting but it would have been more of like a novelty because I think Meg was still very much learning at that time but if you figure around 2001 they're kind of firing on all cylinders they're still sort of a local phenomenon that's what I would have wanted to see yeah and if, if I could time travel and be in any place at any moment in their history, I would choose probably the time that Jack White gave a fiber optic Jesus to the, <laughs> of the flaming lips because I want to see what happened. <laughs> That's a good one, too. Uh, so this next question here comes from Kate McCoy, and she is looking for top moments from the podcast that we might have. Now, I think these are more directed at me and James, but Ben, feel free to chime in if you can think of one yourself. But James, do you have a top moment, memorable moment from the podcast so far? Yeah, the butter chicken. Um, <laughs> we, we, uh, we recorded face-to-face, Paul and I, in the same room as I attempted to cook a meal for my whole family. My recipe consisted of whole chicken <laughs> cram every orifice with <laughs> sticks of butter <laughs> boy howdy while podcasting we smelled just just the butteriest chicken the butteriest bird of yeah. all time we were also uh, pretty permeating. drunk for that one yeah and we also had my parents do the little you know twas the night before yeah, I don't even Christmas, remember. whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, night it was Christmas. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, the fond memory of of doing that with the family and with Paul and the butter chicken smell. It was it was something else. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I think mine would be. It's a toss up. I mean, the Bruce Brand interview, our first like third man related musician talking to him was is definitely up there. And then the other one, of course, being uh, the Mick Collins call because that happened out of the clear blue sky and uh, oh, that was a... How could I forget? Why did I put the butter chicken above? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those two moments are my favorite. Uh, uh, not to put you on the spot here, Ben, do you have any favorite favorite moments for the show? Or Oh man, the uh, the death of Carl Butterball. Oh wait, no, that hasn't happened yet. No, uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Still kicking around. No, man. Um, obviously the, the, the Bruce Brand uh, interview Interview was just that was amazing because I have long wondered, you know, at the end of it's true we're gonna love one another. What all is going on? Yeah. Like this is this little snippet, and I want to hear the rest of that little <laughs> little banter back and forth. Uh, and it was really it was really cool to get to kind of hear that whole, you know, I could just visualize in my head the shenanigans of getting the white stripes uh, from the airport yeah. to their hotel and to the to the recording booth and all that sort of thing. Um, that, that was that was a that was a great show, guys. You guys. You guys did a great job. Oh, thank you. That one came out the weekend that Dominic Davis agreed to 
uh, an interview and I was in Las Vegas uh, with a friend just having a, a weekend we barely recall but um, that was a wild weekend because <laughs> I was still abuzz from the Bruce thing I was in Vegas and talking to Dominic Davis and I was and I was like yeah. this is the apex of uh, yeah. 2016 but anyway um, yeah, it, yeah it's while we're navel gazing, um, <laughs> the the interview with Fats Kaplan was something else, uh, and the whole time we were interviewing him, I was hearing his wife, you know, in and around the house. And at one point, she stopped by, uh, who's who's an amazing artist herself, Christy Rose, uh, and she came and said hi to us. That was something else. Yeah, and she was um, like correcting him subtly uh, throughout yeah. the show <laughs> and telling him to please get off the phone with these weird gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so let's, so moving on here because we got a lot more to get to. We have from again from Leland uh, Fingstag. We have now that Boarding House Reach is mostly digested. What would you like to hear on the next Jack White album? Ben, do you have a preference for uh, what what kinds of songs or things you'd want to hear from from the next Jack effort? Oh man, um, I am a huge fan of funk music. Yeah. So I mean, Boarding House Reach was kind of just I mean that to me I was like oh my gosh I, I loved it. I mean I loved the singles as they were coming out. Sure. You know it didn't seem to be a very popular opinion but hey (laughs) music subjective man and i i fully enjoyed it but yeah i mean what would i like to see out of it maybe maybe some more of that sort of the funky jams that he was doing maybe a little more uh industrial kicked in there some uh maybe a little you know a little grimy or something a little a little dirty or you know something a little uh I don't know. I, I love those tracks that just sounds like literally a rhinoceros has run through the room, <laughs> and uh, you know, it just, um, or a, a heavy stepping elephant is just crushing your your living room, your uh, coffee table. Sure, you know, yeah. Like it's, uh, those are my kind of jams. But uh, yeah, you know, something something like that I think would be fantastic. But hey, I've I've learned a long time ago. Don't don't try to expect something out of Jack White because you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah, James, any thoughts on that? Oh man. I would, I mean, I know I'm in the majority. I would love to hear some more riff rock. I do love a good guitar solo. Um, However, Ice Station Zebra, I think, is going in the direction that I think I want to hear his music go in, uh, which is uh, hip-hop influenced and... but with a but with a smack of ham no um <laughs> but with a like a just a little bit of funk and guitar work and i don't know i i would love to hear what he would do to a solo album if it was just him yeah. and i know boarding house reach was pretty much that but i would love if he did a mccartney like album where he would just play all the instruments plugged directly into the computer and do everything himself drums guitar all that and because i think that is something that he uses as a uh i don't want to call it a crutch but he uses you know other artists to help him write the songs and i feel like if he was alone by himself in a little room Mm -hmm. doing every little bit it might be another challenge for him and i think might come with some more interesting things so yeah 
There's two answers for you. Well, I think that's definitely. Yeah. I, I really I thought that was going to be uh, the way Boarding House Reach was going to end up. And uh, you know, when we first heard that he was renting this apartment, um, you know, he's he's secluding himself in there. He's secluding himself in this home. You know, and I kind of thought maybe that's what he was doing. Like he's just going to play all the instruments and he's going to put it all together, not unlike Prince or you know some of these other guys that have done that before. And and then he's going to put it out there and just you know see what happens. And you know, I'm happy with Boarding House Reach, but uh, yeah, that that would be that. That's a really cool idea. Yeah, I, I would love to hear that as well. I think both of your wish lists there are, I, I share. I think, though, I've been, and I've actually been giving this a lot of thought weirdly lately for some reason. Uh, and it's because uh, in re listening to the Prairie Home Companion stuff from our last episode, Five on the Live Covers, where he played with Marco. It actually got me in the mood to want to hear more of an acoustic album from him because we've never really gotten one other than the retrospective. And I quite like when Jack is forced to do melody because it's not really his wheelhouse in in the same way that like a ripping solo is it's not that he's incapable of doing it in fact he is quite capable of doing it but i would love it if that was his next box he had to place himself in to come up with a bunch of songs that were like never far away or you know one of those type of tunes and to do it kind of back to basic like really stripped down we we, we've just never gotten one and so i'd be very interested to hear that i think though james that you are right we are going to hear a riff rock record well, I think one of your points is right. We're going to hear a riff rock <laughs> record. Where he's going to, I think he's going to react to the to the reaction of Boarding House Reach and do a do a, what maybe is more expected of him next. But I wish he would do I an don't acoustic know. record. I don't know, man. I think he's soaking in the fan anger and tears. Yeah. Like he likes it. He's smiling so much on this tour. I've never he seen really him smile is. so much. Well, and so yeah. I, I don't know if he'll. I don't know if he's gonna take that criticism and you know flip it. I think he's gonna take the criticism and go. I'm gonna double down on it. Well, uh, there's a reason I say it. I, I say it because we we see this a lot with acts like Jack, like perennial acts. We see them deviate, and then we see them go back to basics. We see like. You look at, like, uh, McCartney or something, and you could point to, like, Flowers in the Dirt is sounding very beatly after a couple commercially sort of rocky and reaction sort of rocky records. I mean, we see it in comics, too. I mean, look at Rebirth <laughs> at DC. Yeah. That, that was just, oh, good God, let's go back to what's working. Um, yeah, but McCartney you, you, and DC both care about what people think. True. But I True. think Jack does too. As much as he says he doesn't, I think he does. I don't. Well, and you and you can take a look at. We can do. We'll say the White Stripes, for example, because that's kind of the longest uh, catalog that he's got with the sure. you know, six studio albums out. Yeah. And you look at like by the time Elephant hit. Okay, Elephant hit, blew the doors off everything. Everyone was on board with the White Stripes or rock and roll. You know, they're they're pumping new life into it, and they're they're the saviors of rock and roll, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then they turn around and the next album they release is get behind me satan yeah which deviates like dramatically from the riff rock the blues rock of you know the the comfortable rock of elephant Mm -hmm. and you know i I love get behind me satan i'm not trying to to downplay it at all it's a fantastic album but you know you got a lot of marimba in there and a lot of uh, (laughs) unconventional uh you know instrumentation for a rock album especially falling off the heels of elephant but something had to follow it and that was it yeah but then you turn right back around and icky thump 
Punk comes out, and again, it's it's back into that yeah. sort of um, the return to you form. Know, almost, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I think I could speak for everybody in the universe when I say we just need an album full of aluminum. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know who's with me? Right, friggin' love that. So anyway, all right. Well, yeah. gentlemen, yeah. sadly, we are only a few questions in here, but we are over time, so we're gonna do one last question, and this is uh, this is mainly I think for for James and I. Uh, but this one comes courtesy of uh, Joe Shaken, and it's uh, over Facebook. And Joe asks, have you heard anything indirectly or directly acknowledging the existence of your podcast from Jack White or Ben Blackwell? If so, any interesting interviews in the pipeline? And so that question is sort of twofold. Yes, mm-hmm. they're aware Yes. Uh, we have spoken to Jack's management, and we've spoken with some people in Third Man on a very informal level. They um, know we exist. They are aware we <laughs> exist. But I don't think, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of direct interaction, at least in the short term, although that could change. We hope it does. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we are happy, I think, and James, not to speak for you, but I think. The podcast is happy to be a fan thing and just a clubhouse that we can gather everyone into and hold uh, weekly meetings and just have a, you know, have a place where we can all digest this third man stuff. So do we do we want it to be directly interacting? You know, it, it would be nice, I guess, in a way, but that's that's sort of the political answer to the question. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm okay with that as well, and whatever we get on top of that is gravy. You know, even if the the direct interaction becomes a cease and desist letter, I think me and Paul will be proud. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, um, um, that is where we're going to sadly leave it today. Uh, we have run out of time. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's we really really appreciate your interaction with us and you talking about the show and uh, your and we feedback. Have to come up with a nickname for you yeah what the uh, hell jeez yeah we haven't added you to the, to the list yet <laughs> yeah i know what do you want yeah. what do you want this ben? is unprecedented ben we're, ben we're... carne asada <laughs> oh ooh, hey there you go maybe What's maybe that? a little bit of that uh you know hey that or if you want to you want to straight use the vault handle beer man blues Let's, i mean you're more than go. welcome to do that um i'm adding you know, it to the list uh, right now uh, but you know that that is you guys' thing. That's your wheelhouse. I, I fully trust your uh, your decision making, albeit to my peril. Um, but but no, you know, hey, you guys want to go with Beer Man Blues? That's fantastic. You want to go with Beer Carne Asada? That's fine. Too. You want to go with Ben Ben Carnival? That's fine too. Whatever, man. I'm I'm easy going, man. Well, thank okay. you so much. It's uh, we I, I got to tell you, it really we really really appreciate. It. We say it. I know we say it a lot, but we the, like uh, talking with you today is. It's pretty much the whole reason why we're doing this is just to, to connect with other fans and we uh, and you're great and we appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, thank you guys so much. James, I learned so much today. Hooah! <laughs> is that is that a talk show sidekick or is that just Al Pacino. That's just Al Pacino. <laughs> I love that Ed McMahon and Al Pacino have fused in your brain. Ooh, we have fun. We have, we have fun here. We have fun here, and we had fun today. We learned a lot 
We loved a lot. We laughed a lot. We yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We McMahoned up, Paul. Yeah, we McMahoned right up, and we've got some shout-outs here, James, for some new listeners to the show. Mm. And people who have been interacting with us on social media, Jean Carlos. Thank you, Jean. We have Mariah Lima. Thank you, Mariah. We have Paolo Cesar Pedroso. Thank you, Paolo. Thank you very much. We have Richardison Sosa. We have Davidson Sores. We have Klinger Pays. We have so many people. Thank you for uh, liking the show, interacting with us on social media. We really appreciate it. James, if I'm not mistaken, we also have regular listeners to the program. Is that is that a fact? Oh, we always do, Paul. We've got so many regular listeners to shout out. We have Kate McCoy, the Bones of the Operation. We've got Ben, the Beer Man Blues Carnes, making his debut appearance. We've got Jeremy Riles keeping us on those rails. We've got my oh me, it's me oh my. We've got Andre Ice Cold Lime Man. We've got Eileen Corsano. I see you over there, Eileen. We've got Callie Durga, our third person in spirit every week. We've got the Red Red Rain Prosper. We've got Amy Hart, the heart of the operation. <laughs> it's LOL 2.0. We've got mm. Eric Andrew Dodson over here. Dodson. Mm-hmm. Dodson over yep. here. We've got... David Poe. We've got S.A. Franco. It means Sandy Angle Franco. Sorbet aficionado Franco. Sylvia. It was the sincerity in which you said Sylvia that was really... We've got Yvette Wilkins. She's Wilkin on Sunshine. We've got Brendan... We've got Brian Walter Be Nicer to Me. And we'd also like to thank No Right Opinion for You Here. Go away and don't go away because we've got a new one to add as well. We've got Brett... The Brett the... Brett the... Brett the... Brett the Hitman Gartsky. Nope. Nope. Nope, not that. We have three women, red, blonde, and a Brett. <laughs> we'll get there, Brett Garski, but you're added to the list here. We really appreciate you interacting with us so regularly. Thank you very much for doing that. And if you'd like to make it to our shout-outs, then that's easy. All you have to do is interact with us online, social media. We're on many different platforms, many different places. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash thirdmen. On Twitter at thirdmencast. Tumblr, it's thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. You can visit our WordPress page where we uh, host the show, thethirdmen.wordpress.com. We also host the show on Pippa. That's P-I-P-P-A, and you can search our show on Pippa, and Pippa's been wonderful. Thank you to the good folks at Pippa for supporting us and for opening up new doors to places such as the Google Play Store and so many others. It's been really great. Pippa has been wonderful so far and will continue to take, take, take. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send it to thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com or search us on YouTube and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. I cannot stress this enough. If you haven't, rated and reviewed us on iTunes. It would really, really help. Please do that. It doesn't take that long. It would be great for you to do that because it it bumps us up a little bit. It makes us more visible. It'd be really great if you did that. Thank you. And for those that have, thank you very much. So many listener questions we got this week, James. A lot of those. If you'd like to send in a listener question, I know we didn't get to them all this week on our interview, but we will be getting to everyone you send us. We will read on this the internet air yeah so keep sending those in we have a bunch here but yeah keep sending them 
Those were great. Thank you for doing that. Indeed. And as always, we'd like to thank Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for the help with our theme song, We're the Third Men, as well as Susanna Roundtree for her beautiful introduction and outro of our program. And thank you to Ben Beerman Blues Carnes for coming on the show today. Yeah, that was great. And until next episode, James, I will be looking for a Muppet to put my hand in. <laughs> and I will be looking for a... I will be looking for a set television set mm-hmm. to settle to, to settle down i'll be looking for a stage yep to hide behind second, a curtain second no, time's the charm i will be looking for a curtain to yep. hide behind paul take three take three's the keeper be... all right see you next episode <laughs> so many options and yet i found nothing <laughs> For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. made me laugh with his funnies. James was a funny and made me laugh. That's all. I'm not sobbing. Who I think's name is Frog, if I'm re- recalling correctly. You're probably and right. That is really accurate. Oh, it's got props. No. This one's... This one's gonna have props. Um, <laughs> He's gonna be like, is that does that man put a put a hand in a Muppet's bunghole? <laughs> Who's this portly Southern gentleman? What did that have to do why with is Jack Richard White? Nixon in here? <laughs> anyway, and Chris um, O'Donnell's book, Remember Me, I'm Chris O'Donnell, by Chris O'Donnell, was forwarded by um, George, George Clooney. <laughs> okay. Has has an author ever r- written their own forward before? <laughs> Let's do a little Keurig. While you do that, I'm going to get another Diet Coke. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, boy. That should have been the Rag and Bone. <laughs> rag and Bone. Oh. It's like like Governor Chris Christie identifying Mike as the one to pick on in our group at the bachelor party. <laughs> it's very good, yeah. Well, Mike is the Jimmy Fallon of, our, <laughs> of all of your friends. Um, you can just, uh, to quote Jack White now, you could just put the needle of, wow, I'm going to William Shatner. I forgot my Jackson. Uh, you know, yeah. can't all be winners, but <laughs> it's offensive. Yeah. Um, boogie, woogie, woogie. Coming up over here. Oh, we're doing the, the horse jockey guy. The horse. Yep. Not doing now. that again. Yeah, no, nope. we've got. I don't know why I was so stressed by that. San Francisco's I- Anglo... 
Yeah, San Francisco's Anglo. <laughs> that was 12 minutes of usable audio. Well, most Iraqis know what the Late Show is, so maybe you should uh, get with it. Get with the times. <laughs> no scar. No scar. No scar. Dot com. Uh, what? Um, In the name watched, of all the gods the of Vietnam is happening here. It's trail mix. Uh, James doubling down on that old comedy adage. Google it. Music is ideas. <laughs> Sidebar. Yeah. Tom Potter is hilarious.